Hi, Jonathan here. I just want to take a minute to thank you for being a, a radio listener. Um, we cannot do what we do without your partnership. And briefly, I just want to invite you as the year uh, closes out to just consider us as a place where you might be able to financially partner. You know, we need partners like you in order to expand our reach into even more countries and help even more individuals to be able to find the hope and the help that they need to break free from any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. So please consider partnering with us as the year closes out. You can simply go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link and make your gift there. We'd especially appreciate it if you would consider becoming a monthly partner. That helps us to just expand our reach even more and also gives you an opportunity through the faithful giving to be able to also pray for us as you give on a monthly basis. Again, that's puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Thank you so much and God bless you. You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have back with us Bill and Lisa Reutsch. And so, Bill and Lisa, thank you guys so much for uh, being with us this time. Yes. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited about this uh, this broadcast with you guys because, uh, you know, the last time we had you, we were able to just really hear your story, hear how you guys came from uh, different kinds of brokenness, but then coming together and bringing that into your marriage. And then there was uh, there was betrayal on both sides and just how God has done this great work of restoration and redemption in your life. What I would love for us to do in this this episode is is um, I know there's a lot of couples out there that they're at all different kinds of stages in this process. Some are still in that either got our head stuck in the sand or we're just too afraid or ashamed to even share our secret, you know, so you've got those who haven't really even maybe begun the journey of restoration uh, in their marriage. You've got others that feel like they're kind of in the middle of it. They're in that chaos of, man, we're not, we're not really, I don't know if we're getting anywhere. It's like two steps forward, three steps back. Then you've got some that are, that are kind of humming. They're doing really well, but they're, they're needing maybe more challenges. They're needing more growth elements. So I know that's a, we're, we're going to ask a big thing of you to be able to speak to all of these various spectrums. But I would love for you to, get, to just kind of draw even from your own personal experience some of the practical things that you have seen that are the most effective in helping couples move down this continuum, move down the spectrum from, from the point of, I don't even know if I want restoration or want to share anything that's going on or, or confront my husband or my wife to the point of, man, we are, we are, we're one and we're enjoying the satisfaction of living a life of oneness. Yeah. um, I'll just share kind of the, a basic one that, that that's been so helpful and was created a major shift in our relationship. Once I kind of began to grasp it, and uh, it's, you know, learning to have a divine perspective on the marriage and, and to see Lisa 
um, the way God sees her. So I think of God is not just my father. He's my father-in-law. And Lisa his, is his daughter. Mm. And, and when I, uh, you know, wound her or I betray her or, or hurt her in any way, or, or I am, I'm actually sticking my finger in my father-in-law's eye because mm. she is so precious to him. And so actually I think it was, it was Stephen's book that helped me to, to grasp that. Uh, a lover repents. Mm. And when I got back from be, be broken and I read that book, I, I'm about to cry now just thinking about it. And I, and I read that in front of Lisa and God just touched my heart and opened my eyes to see her for who she really was. Mm. So, and it changed the perspective of, of, of our marriage as a shift. So I think you're making an excellent point because it's, you know, we can't keep, the same view that we have and think that we're going to get to a different destination. And so what I'm hearing you say, Bill is listen, you got to change what you're looking at. You got to change the perspective, change the lenses, so to speak, through which you're looking at life. And Lisa, I heard, you know, you mentioned last time, one of the big things that um, is certainly an obstacle is the issue of shame. And I think that's a lens then that we see things through because you had your own personal brokenness in, in terms of abuse and things in your past. And so there's this huge shame lens that you're seeing through. So how would you maybe help some of the wives out there of what's the perspective shift? Because before we even get to some of the practical tools, you've got to have a per- perspective shift, right? So how yes. would you help the wives out there that maybe are still looking very much through this shame grid? And I'm not saying that a husband doesn't look through that grid too, but especially since you had mentioned that last time, Lisa, what would you have for the wives out there that maybe are still, man, they've got a shame grid that they're seeing things through? Yeah. Um, you know, what I found in, in doing a lot of ministry with wives is there's a, a huge percentage of views that now marry a man who struggle with pornography usage or have a sexual addiction. And so I didn't understand that there was a correlation there. And so what I've seen is I've, we've been in these circles now for a while is the, the husband goes and he, he gets healing. He goes to counseling, he goes to an intensive, Mm -hmm. but the wife is not dealing with her stuff. And so I, you know, that's why I wrote the book on shame to, to help the wife start unraveling and encourage her to maybe look at some of the things of what have maybe happened or hasn't happened in her past, because that's how she's relating to him. She's been relating to him um, in a marriage relationship based on her own brokenness. So getting her to get her eyes off of her husband and, and to look at maybe some of her stuff and and maybe she hasn't been abused, but there are probably other things that have happened in her life that have set her up to believe some lies or some messages that weren't true, that really just got compounded by, um, you know, being married to someone that is struggling with, with pornography usage. And so, um, I know the second thing that always happens once we start dealing with the shame is how do I build trust again? Like, I Mm. don't know if I trust my spouse. So that's a place that we always like to start with and is breaking that down and practically what does that look like to rebuild trust? And it can look different for every couple for us. Again, um, because I was the one who had had an affair. Um, whenever I would go out in public and, and I would go out with girlfriends for a lunch or a movie or something, 
practically I would take pictures or I would have my girlfriend call Bill while we were together and say, look, you know, she's really with me. She's mm-hmm. not somewhere she's not supposed to be. Just those little things go a long way in rebuilding trust. Um, just holding one another accountable. Well, let's talk about that then from your side, Bill, because obviously you had trust that needed to be rebuilt too, because you had had secrets and you were, you know, uh, hiding pornography and things like that. So what are some of the things you would say to the men out there in terms of what are the practical things that they need to do to start to regain the trust of their wives? Well, again, one of the the, the primary uh, things that, that we found that helped to rebuild the trust was being very vulnerable with one another. Once we're vulnerable and open and, and about everything, you know, that's when we start growing because as we really get to know, I think this was another, another uh, uh, term that, that I uh, learned at Be Broken was to learn to, to get to be fully known and fully loved without the fear of being rejected. And that's where we wanted to get to. And so the only way to get that to, to that point to be fully known is to be as open as you possibly can. Be very, very vulnerable, honest, transparent. Now I think and one I of the things hard. well and I think one of the things that's that we have to be uh maybe careful here or at, at least make sure there's an agreement on is you kind of have to have both parties agree to that in order so it's kind of like you have to first get to that stage of saying okay we both want to go in this direction of restoration because you know one party may be totally ready to get completely vulnerable and that may be completely intimidating and frightening for the other and they're not ready to go there yet so it won't feel safe because that one partner will get really vulnerable and the other one will either attack or pull back or you know what i mean and so Sure. Some of what you're talking about here, I think, has a lot to do with that initial perspective that says, I got to shift how I'm seeing things. But then also, we've got to come to a baseline of agreement about certain things before we can even work on some. So I think it's important for our listeners to know that a lot of the the practical tools that we're going to be talking about in this in this episode have to do with we've kind of already hit a baseline of agreement that we both right. want to see this exactly. thing through. We want some restoration. So we I want wonder, to rebuild. Yeah. I want yeah. that to be clear to our listeners because some are out there going, hey, I haven't even decided yet if I really want sure. this thing to work out. Uh, and so I think we want them to know we're talking about those who've already come to that sort of basic agreement mm-hmm. that we want to work on this. Yeah. And I think back and I'm, and I'm so grateful for God's grace and in, in bringing that reconciliation and that restoration into our lives and our marriage. And so once we got to that place and we were we were working on the, the rebuilding the trust. And so the other baseline issue that 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 we found uh, in rebuilding mm-hmm. trust was praying together uh, on a regular basis. Mm. And gosh. That has, that's another area where that brought another shift in our in our relationship that brought us closer together. When we were intentional about praying together, that uh, just that just brought so much more unity uh, into our yeah. lives. And I think something that we sometimes miss or we don't think about that's really important is the element of forgiveness. And a lot of times when we work with couples, you know, I, I hear a spouse say, well, I've forgiven, but you know, they're, they're 
feelings and their emotions are still raw and they're still helping them understand that forgiveness is a process too. It's mm-hmm. it's a one-time decision. Yes, I'm going to forgive my spouse for the transgression that he's or she has done. And, and we would continually remind ourselves that we have forgiven one another and now we're going to you know, building a house is messy and it's dirty and it's mm-hmm. it's it's labor intensive. And so we kind of looked at it as we're now, now we've forgiven. Doesn't mean we've forgotten, but we've forgiven. And now we're going to start from the foundation and hopefully everyone is the Lord Jesus and we're going to rebuild. And, and so understanding that even forgiven, you may still need to be healed of, of the hurt and the pain and the trauma. Um, and then learning how to build that trust mm-hmm. is kind of the, the, the layer of foundation. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that's helped me as a wife to, to trust Bill is knowing um, when he meets with his accountability partners. And he would tell me, and his ap- accountability partners would would stop me just in casualness, maybe if I ran into him at church or say, you know, I just want you to know I really enjoy meeting your with your husband mm-hmm. or just so that I knew that he really was meeting with his accountability partners and that there was an accountability there. That helped me learn how to trust him. And it, it takes time. I think people think that it's just automatic and they, they don't understand that this is a process. It's a journey and you got to be right. patient with yourselves and patient with your spouse And I think I like what you said about forgiveness being a process, too, because a lot of times people, they look at uh, forgiveness like, hey, it's sort of one and done. And now I got to really work on trust. But I like to remind people that if if especially if you're a if you're a Christian, think about what uh, Christ has done for us. He did a one time sacrifice on the cross. Right. But guess what? He still bears the scars in his hand, the scars in his side, and the scars on his feet. So what does that mean? That means he, even before the Father, is continually reminding God, the Father, that, hey, this forgiveness was done, but I'm going to remind you again and again and again by these scars. And so I think that's what has to happen. There's there's almost like phases to forgiveness. It's like, yes, yes. there's a big watershed moment where it's like, listen, I'm, I'm coming to a point where I'm choosing to not hold these offenses against you anymore. But guess what? There will always be triggers that come up, right, that want you to hold those offenses against them again. And so we have to be reminded of that forgiveness over and over. And I think so I think that's the way that forgiveness and trust merge together. Yes. Is you're having to remind yourself over and over again of the forgiveness in order to rebuild trust. Uh, so they're not totally separate, distinct things that like sometimes we want to make them. Exactly. That's so good. You described it well. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to talk about a couple other things that I think are really important for couples who are wanting restoration in, in a practical sense. Communication. I mean, that's a biggie, right? I mean, if you think about what divides couples, it's either no communication or deceptive communication, right? I mean, there's some form yes. of that that's, listen, we're just, so what would you say to the couples out there that want restoration that they're saying, listen, how, what are some, maybe some tools or some practical steps for us to start to rebuild or build anew our communication, 
Yeah, that's one of the things that we love to teach. And so we, we've we started doing what we call mini makeover um, sessions with people and specifically to teach couples communication skills because especially younger couples, um, we just lack communication all the way around in every relationship, not just our marriage. And so just learning how to teach couples how to slow down and really listen to one another, um, how to validate one another's feelings and understanding the difference between I can acknowledge your feeling, but I don't maybe necessarily understand it or agree with it, but I can validate it and respect you as that's how you feel. And just learning some some different language to use with one another. And um, a great marriage class, if they're, if they're in church and their churches have marriage classes, we always in, encourage couples to start taking a, a good marriage class in in addition to any counseling that you're getting that will teach you these good communication skills and conflict resolution skills. Right. Because the communication skills we bring into our, our marriage is only what we, we handled for us as we grew up. Mm-hmm. And so most people have not learned healthy communication skills. I know I, I hadn't when we, <laughs> when we, we got married. So, yeah. so realizing that, that these are skills and tools you can learn is important to know when rather than thinking it's it's just a natural ability to yeah. be able to communicate it's not yeah. it, very few people are, are natural communicators and and with the couples that you've dealt with or just kind of even your own marriage what are the most common deficiencies that you see in let's say husbands in terms of their communication skills and i know i'm generalizing here but i think men and women typically process and communicate differently so but what are some of the most common deficiencies that you see in communication for a husband and for a wife in terms of the 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 areas that need usually the most growth when it comes to communication yeah I, i think one thing i like to remind couples is don't bring up stuff in the past into what you're currently conversing about right now and and Inevitably, when we start escalating in our communication, that's what we do. We go behind us and we start pulling all this stuff in and helping them understand that that's so detrimental and you're not going to get to where you want to go. And to really just concentrate on what it is at the moment that you're wanting to communicate about um, and just slowing down um, and learning. We love to teach couples how to take a time out uh, what we see a lot of times, and I know for us, I would chase Bill around the house trying to get him to communicate with me um, when clearly we needed a timeout. Um, but teaching couples just how to use the language of, you know what, I can feel my heart racing. I can feel my brain shutting down. I can't think properly. We need a timeout. Can we come back in one hour, in two hours after we put the kids to bed? Um, and, and, teaching them that it's okay to take a time out Mm -hmm. to regroup and to then go and look at your part, each part respectively is what's going on. Why am I so passionate about this? What are my triggers right now? And um, basically to process the situation, this is in a conflict resolution type communication Yeah. to basically process the whole situation and see what have, maybe what have I done to contribute to the situation Instead of just focusing on the, you know, your spouse's uh, contribution to the, to the situation. <laughs> or 
lack thereof. So. And don't you think too? It's it's probably important because uh, a lot of times women can just be more verbal naturally, and men less verbal yes. naturally. That to try to find balance in the conversation to where it's more of a maybe a fifty-fifty split on verbiage. <laughs> Where yes. a lot of times it can be, you know, a 90-10 split with the the woman just talking, 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 talk, And, you know, and I'm not, again, I'm generalizing here, but that's kind of the way it, we hear sure. that from men all the time of like, man, whenever we do have a conversation, she's hitting me with 15 different things. And I'm just still trying to process the first thing to get <laughs> my words back out. So it's almost like you need to have uh, conscious breaks to be able yes. to make sure the other person can respond to what you just said and then clarify. and then So some of this, would you agree, is learning how to stay in a conversation longer yes. than you have in the past. Because a lot of times, men especially, we got an end game in mind, right? Hey, just tell me the bottom line. Let's get to the solution so I can get back to the football game. You know, that kind of thing. And, sure. and we've got to be able to stay in longer in order to get yes. to different stages. Helping them understand the differences between male and female first, but then even within that, each of us have a different temperament and how we process information according to how God made each one of us. And so uh, just teaching couples how to slow down. Men are hardwired to solve and fix problems. That's how God made y'all. It's awesome. But women need to understand that because a man always tendency, his tendency is to approach the situation is how can I solve this? How can I fix it? And so for a lot of times I tell wives, maybe up front, just tell your husband, I don't want you to solve this problem. I just need to get this off my chest. I need to vent. I just need you to listen. Mm -hmm. And it really takes a lot of pressure off of the husband to know, okay, I don't have to come up with a great answer. I just need to listen. And what does that look like? Teaching the husband just how to listen uh, to his wife. Um, so before we, uh, we before we wrap up, I want to make sure there's one really, really obvious aspect to this restoration of a marriage that's been broken by sexual betrayal, but it's the one that's probably the least communicated about. And that is when you've had, you know, when, when we're told in, in the Bible that marriage is about two becoming one flesh, right? And then when there's been any kind of betrayal of that one flesh union, the biggest question that's out there that few couples are willing to actually ask out loud is, how do we restore sexual intimacy? How do we restore the sexual component of our relationship when that's really the thing that's been attacked in terms of the trust? So what would you say to couples out there in terms of what does that look like in terms of the restoration of the sexual relationship? Uh, uh, wow, that's a deep one. Yeah, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not something that's going to get fixed overnight. And, and we've had to learn to be patient with one another and, and understanding. And again, it goes back to that perspective. Um, it's also learning to, to, to really, con con again, to connect in a real way with your wife or, or with your husband, which wasn't there while you're doing pornography. You're not really connecting. You may be having sex with your wife, but you're not really connecting with her. So once you, uh, you know, once you have dealt with some of the, the addiction issues and you're on a recovery process, then you're, you're learning to connect again. I'll share mm -hmm. what we what, 
one of the things we did, we went through an abstinence period of, of like 50 days, um, agreed, we agreed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that allowed my, um, you know, my, basically my brain to recalibrate to, <laughs> to, to get on a healthy, get some neural pathways on a healthy, uh, you know, trajectory and to start thinking correctly. And, you know, we had agreed to it. So we had, so we had a time when this period happens, we're going to, we're going to have sex. And, uh, you know, so we were prepared for it, but, but it gave you time to process some things, right? It gave you time to work on, work on other aspects of, of communication and looking at some forgiveness and trust issues and those types of things. And all those things that brought connection. Because I do, I've heard this from many couples and there's, there's obviously different opinions about the idea of abstinence periods and things like that and doing that. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm cool with all those options, you know, but, um, but I do think that one of the benefits of what you guys did there is that it does allow you to, for a season, take the pressure of what are we going to do about sex off the table just for a little while. The key element that you had in that is you cannot remove it forever and expect that you're going to have a healthy relationship. That's not healthy, right? Right? We had a written agreement. We actually wrote it out and we both signed it and dated it and knew it read on 50 days. What is the date? So, and we really encourage couples to do that. You can't make this nebulous agreement it really helps to have it in writing and have both of you sign it and to be in agreement so that it does take the pressure off. Now, what happens if you get to day 51 and there's still there's still nerves or questions or, you know, is this a, are we going to be legalistic about this thing? Is uh, Where does so that? Uh, no, that's a good point because I was going to, I was going to correct, the, the correct term was we agreed in 50 days to come together and reevaluate. Mm. And see if we were ready, and and if we weren't, we were going to go another forty-five. I think we had up to ninety days that we were um, willing to go. Um, so you're right. We didn't want to, We weren't going to be legalistic. Of, hey, look, hey, Lisa, it's fifty days, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, and the other we, thing too is, you know, it's there's actually a biblical component to that where we're told to. Um, we can come apart for a season, and it says during that season to pray. So there's definitely a spiritual component here too, right? That it's not just about, hey, let's, let's get things figured out so the, you know, the mechanics of our sexual life will come back together. You know? it's, it's also a realization that we need a season in which we're inviting God into the deep places of our yes. life as individuals and as a couple so that there can be total restoration, right? And, and um you know, my wife and I, we like to tell couples, especially that, uh, especially young couples, you know, young couples that either they're, they're not married yet or they're early marrieds that we like to, we like to joke with them. We say, listen, you know, we've been married over 20 years and, um, uh, sex gets better and better and better, you know, and they look at us like we're crazy because they're like, (laughs) what are you talking about? You know? And it's because all of those other elements have come together too, right? The communication, yeah. the trust, the forgiveness. Because what is this? What does the sexual union actually represent? Intimacy, right? It represents mm-hmm. that oneness. So, what would be some final words of encouragement that you would give to any couple out there that's anywhere on this spectrum that we talked about at the beginning of the episode? What would be some encouraging words that you would give for them to help them continue to move forward towards this oneness, this intimacy? 
get a community, get some other couples, if you can, around you that have gone through this to help support you. You need that. It is a three to five year journey. And and that just wrapping your head around that and knowing this isn't going to be a uh, down deep and, and just say, I'm going to give it three to five years before I give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be, uh, having the mentality that I'm in this no matter what. Yeah. I'm in this 100% no matter what. And then also you used a, a word several times in this interview, uh, a pers- perspective. And so learning to have a changing your perspective into uh, thinking in terms of us or yeah. instead of me and her and having that us mentality. And uh, mm-hmm. so everything that you do affects us. Everything she does affects us. So that kind of mindset helps as well. That's good. Well, why don't you also share with our listeners how they can get in touch with your ministry and learn more about what you guys are doing? Yes, they can go to powerofhislove.com. We have articles and resources there. There's also, you can contact us if you're in the greater Houston area. Uh, We do mentoring with couples. We're a part of a couple network network uh, that that we've started and and I would love to share more about with that off the record with you Jonathan we're mm-hmm. really excited about couples that have this story that we've started a networking group in the greater Houston area um, reach out for help you're not alone mm-hmm. and um, we're here for you and I know your ministry is here and we can all do this together hang yeah. in there awesome. there's hope it's possible God restores and he heals and it can be better than you ever had. Well, thank you, Bill and Lisa, for just sharing your story and being open and just also uh, answering God's call to help other couples. We appreciate you guys being here. Yes, thank you. thank you. It's been fun. And listeners, as always, we appreciate you being with us, and we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.